This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, welcome to Round Ball Stew. I am Matt Straub. It is Wednesday, May 4th, and today. It is our 4x5 episode, four writers from NBC Sports Edge for five minutes each. We will be looking at the latest from the NBA playoffs after a very eventful Tuesday night, plus some players and specifically one entire team to fade in fantasy as we think ahead to next season, because we're never not thinking ahead to next season. All of that and more is coming up in the next 20 or so minutes as I say hello to my dear friend, Steve Alexander, uh, in the un- uncustomary role of leadoff hitter on this 4x5 podcast. Steve, how does it feel? How do you feel? How's your... Morale overall. It feels good to be Ronald Acuna Jr. for a change. Oh, man. Man. Braves are struggling. Truly, truly. Braves are struggling. All right, Steve, I'm starting our timer. I know how sensitive you are about this whole thing. Uh, Five minutes begins now, so take it away. Where do you want to start? Well, Matt, they say that the Kentucky Derby is the most exciting two minutes in sports. I'm sorry. I'll stop using that voice. But they do say the Kentucky Derby is the most exciting, the fastest two minutes in sports, right? Yeah, sure. That first three minutes of that Warriors-Grizzlies game last night was maybe the craziest three minutes in sports. And it's funny because my wife and I rented this really, really low-budget, bad movie that a friend of mine made, and it's actually available on DirecTV. So I was like, man, that's a pretty big deal for this guy. We got to check this out. So we got sucked into that for about five minutes, and I'm like, oh, it's – the first three minutes of the Warriors game, what what could possibly have happened? Sure. I come back yeah, in my office and sit down, and I'm like, oh, my Lord, <laughs> Dylan Brooks has been ejected. Um, yeah. Gary Payton, too, is, is out, and Draymond Green is out. So the Gary Payton, two injury, first of all, was it a dirty play? I don't know. I don't know that I'm going to call it dirty, but was it excessive? Steve, and over- Steve Kerr called it dirty. Overly aggressive. Yeah, it was too much. Steve Kirk said it was dirty. He also said it broke the code. Uh, you don't take you don't take a fellow human being out of the air in mid-flight. And that's exactly what Dylan Brooks did. I was like, oh, it didn't look that bad until you see that one replay angle. And man, it is a vicious, vicious hit to the head. We obviously won't know what Dylan Brooks' intentions were. He may have just been trying to block the shot. But I mean, it's pretty seemed pretty obvious that was going to be a flagrant too. In today's NBA. It just stinks because GP2, I mean, he's not one of those fantasy monsters or a, or even an NBA monster. But if you go back and just look through his box scores, eight points, three boards, three assists, a, a steal and a block constantly. He's always getting mm-hmm. steals, always getting blocks. And he's helped them win a lot of close games. And guess what? Last night's game was a five-point game. Had he been in there he makes two steals and that, that could be the difference in the entire game. So stinks for them. I think it's going to mean Jordan pool is probably going to step up. We're going to have another pool party soon, but yeah, that was uh, quite eventful. Draymond's okay. Draymond played the, the game with a swollen right eye, but it looks like he's okay. Mm-hmm. Took some stitches. I found, I found myself asking myself last night, 
maybe not for the first time, but yet again, when did Jordan Poole become absolutely unguardable off the dribble? This man, I mean, we, we like he came to the league. We you kind of thought of him as like an outside shooter, but he is not. He is not. I mean, he is a handful off the dribble. Is what I'm trying to say, and he has all the moves around the basket. The finishing is incredible. Like he's so dynamic off the dribble at this point. Yeah, and the finishing, like you said last night, was was crazy too. He hit an eight to sixteen, a three pointer, twenty points, three boards, five assists. I mean, Jordan Poole, man. And now it, with with GP two probably done, you gotta you gotta roll Jordan Poole pretty hard. Uh, Matt, before I run out of time, let's flip over two minutes. I was that was your two minute warning. Thank you. The Indiana Pacers, Red, was his name Red? Red something. He used to always say, two minutes, uh, two. Uh. Flipping over to Memphis, Ja Morant. The legend of Ja yeah. Morant, Matt, is growing at leaps and bounds this postseason, really this entire season. It started on opening night, and it's still growing after last night's ridiculous, mm-hmm. what, 47 points, eight 47. boards, eight assists. Took over the game in the fourth quarter. Basically won the game for the Grizzlies. Had another one of those dunk moments where he took off just inside the free throw line. And it looked like he just kept rising and rising. And at the end, yeah, you think he's just going to go crazy and throw it down. And he just sort of lays it in there nice and easy. But Matt, I got an email or a text message last night from a buddy of mine in Indiana, old friend Don Lux. Not really a huge NBA fan. He passed the Pacers, mm-hmm. and he's like, man, I love Luka, and I love Ja Morant, and I watch the NBA because of those guys. I found Luka because of you, and I found Ja Morant on my own, but I love Ja Morant so much. And this this guy, it just got me thinking, like, people love Ja Morant so much right now. There's no way he's getting out of the first round in fantasy drafts. Yeah, I was thinking about that yesterday, too, a Just little bit. not going to happen. There's going to be one guy in every league. Even even in expert leagues and every other league that is going to take Ja in the first round, and it's going to happen yeah. over and over and over again. I think I think I'm there with you, Steve. As our timer goes off, and by the way, before we go, that layup, that layup that he hit, that 360 double pump oh, off the glass. No way. That was that was absurd. He was mad. He was mad about missing that game winner in the previous game, and he really uh, took it out on the Warriors last night. Okay. My name is Jonas. And we're going to bring in Jonas Nader right now. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Steve. Have a great day. You too. Jonas Nader, how are you? This is, you know, it's funny. You and I did about a 1000, as my kids would say, waiver wire podcast this year, but we had not met here on a Wednesday in this five minute condensed five minute format. And I know you brought a couple topics, but. By, by request of producer Adam, he wants your thoughts on John Morant going the first round of drafts quickly. I just listened to that segment. I uh, I don't think I'm there yet, but I do. Th- I agree with Steve that someone's going to take him there. Like I wouldn't take him there necessarily yeah. because you're basically punting two categories right away. But early second for me, maybe. I mean, 47 points against yeah. the Warriors, come on. I mean, yeah, John Morant is the real deal. He's probably the most fun player in the NBA right now, as Doc would like to say, but... I really wish Doc was here to say the next guy we're going to be talking about at the end of my five minutes. Wimbon, yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah, we missed that, but yeah, true. We'll start with the end Russell. Well, okay, yeah, go for it. I'm listening. So, uh, not exactly um, a confident showing for Russell in the playoffs. Uh, yeah, twelve points, two point five rebounds, six point seven assists, shot thirty three percent. 
And game six, you get benched for third string point guard Jordan McLaughlin. Like, this may be the end of the road. Um, so Mark Stein reported, I think two days ago, a big time NBA writer, uh, really plugged in, said the Wolves are going to start uh, gauging the trade market for Russell. Um, he has an expiring $31.4 million contract. And this morning I was looking around and I couldn't find a single team that would take him for the player, but maybe for the expiring contract, if that makes sense too. So mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. only thing holding it back is that obviously Russell and Cat are like really great friends. Apparently they're best friends or something like that. But as Kevin Durant right. and DeAndre Jordan found out, friends don't win championships, right? Sometimes they get in the way. So really curious right. to see what happens here. But one quick angle on this is I'm going to be all in on Aunt Edwards next year. Imagine him without Russell on that floor. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we're probably taking Jordan McLaughlin in like the second round of drafts now too, right? Oh, easily. Yeah. Right before Ja. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I moved McLaughlin one spot above Ja in my right. rankings for it sure. It only makes sense. Um, I guess we're, we're probably not getting a D'Angelo Russell Lakers reunion, huh? That's the guy can dream. Yeah. I, I don't think that's going to happen. Um... <laughs> okay. Yeah. So interesting and i mean look, look if we're breaking up the wolves let's just send carl anthony towns to atlanta i think that makes the most sense um yeah let's pair him with trey young it'd be fun for everyone i think who, who are we sending back though deandre hunter and gorgie dang <laughs> yeah probably in that Knicks that first sense. rounder that they got <laughs> yeah for camera yeah definitely yeah. can you think of a single team that makes sense for d'angelo russell though right now uh, off the top of my head no i cannot yeah because if you're taking Russell, you basically have to change your offense completely around to fit him in, right? It's just such an awkward fit. He's just such a ball dominant guy. Right. I just don't see it. I don't see it. I mean, it's it, we. It, what a weird league we cover that you know the giant contract makes him easier to move. The the enormous right. one year contract somehow in a lot of ways, yeah. in some ways, at some point makes him easier to trade. But I think we got a couple minutes left, Jonas, and and I know you wanted to talk about a, a team, a team, your your team thoughts. I do. I want to hear your thoughts too. I will not be drafting a single player from the OKC, OKC Thunder next year, except maybe Pokazeski late. But the tank we saw this mm-hmm. year, it was egregious, right? We can all agree it was just, it was disgusting. The second year in a row, yeah. they're just shutting players down, healthy Perfect. players. Um, so Sam Presti in his postseason conference goes, Yeah, next year we're out of the playoff race again. We're going to do the exact <laughs> same thing. He called them games of consequence. He said, If they're not playing games of consequence, they will shift to development again. Ooh. They're going to shut down all their players. And I've been saying this for a while. Their end game is the kid in this upcoming draft, 2023 draft. So after this mm-hmm. one, Victor Wimbanyama. I got to hear Doc say that at some point. A 7'3 kid from France, blocks like five shots per 36 minutes, can do everything. There was a viral video of him at 16 years old just dominating Rudy Gobert in like a 2v2 thing. So this is probably one of the best NBA draft prospects of the decade. Probably he's going to be more hyped even than Zion was. Yeah. And I can't wait. And this is Thunder's in-game. They have five first-round picks next year. Um, some of them have heavy protections, but they can trade up, obviously. So we are going to see the most aggressive tank in NBA history. And for that reason, I would not be drafting guys like SGA or Ludor or anyone else like that. I think that's a, a really good thing for people to file away because SGA becomes really tempting in fantasy. And you can start to talk yourself into the narrative of, oh, well, you know, this year, maybe this is the year they turn the corner. Just knowing that that right. mindset is already there for next year, I think is valuable insight. And as for Wemban Yama, uh, I was watching some footage. You sent me down a little bit of a wormhole, Wemban Yama wormhole this morning. This is a skinny seven foot two kid with three point range, like a lot of skills. 
Our timer just went off, Jonas, so we got to go in a second. But I'm just dreaming yeah. of a front line yeah. of Chet Holmgren, Alexi Pokashevsky, and Victor Wembanyama, the skinniest, just wildest, wait. most thrilling uh, front That'd line. That'd be must-watch. I'd watch every single game. Yeah, we need it. <laughs> we need it. Uh, well, Jonas, I enjoyed it. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Always great, Matt. Thank you. See you, man. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben & Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we got two more writers still to go. First, we're going to take a very quick break. Just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet, go and download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands by predicting what will happen in the NBA playoffs, Premier League on the PGA Tour, and the NASCAR circuit. We're now going to say hello to Zach Hanshu. Hi, Zach. Hello, Matt. Hello. Uh, I think you wanted to take us directly back to Memphis here. Am I am I correct about that? Yeah, you are. Uh, so I'm. It's going to be hard for me to top John Morant. I mean, dude is thrilling, right? Um, you know, had that yeah. huge game last night. Series tied up, one apiece. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go to another guy that I love on the Grizzlies. Uh, it's a guy that I've loved uh, since he came out of college uh, from Gonzaga, Brandon Clark. And this is a dude that we're really seeing. He was the X factor in you know in the first round against Minnesota. Um, so Stephen Adams, uh, he played 24 minutes in that game one uh, against the Timberwolves, uh, and then played seven minutes the rest of the series. He had a DNP coach decision, and then he landed on you know health and safety protocols. So at this point, it's likely he'll be back for the next game, uh, but. I'm not really counting on him coming back. Uh, we've gotten some. We've seen some great minutes from Clark. We've seen some great minutes from yeah. uh, Xavier Tillman, uh, aka Rookie Dunker, on Twitter. But Clark has really been the guy, right? So Tillman, three points, three rebounds, fourteen minutes a game. Clark, sixteen points, nine boards, two point six assists, one point eight stocks in five games prior, or excuse me, in seven games prior to last night, uh, three double-doubles, and he's leading the NBA right now in field goal percentage in the playoffs. So we've seen this guy absolutely take over, and he's somebody that I absolutely would love to have, and I do have in one of my dynasty leagues right now. Uh, What say you on Brandon Clark? 
I have liked Brandon Clark's skill set going back a few years now, and always, I mean, he he's kind of the guy, less so than DeAnthony Melton, but the Grizzlies have two guys who we've just been clamoring uh, for for the Grizzlies to give them more minutes. I mean, Taylor Jenkins seems like a pretty good coach, just looking from afar. I don't know how Grizzlies feel about this, but fantasy managers and all of us have been, you know, begging for more minutes for DeAnthony Melton, consistent minutes, and Brandon Clark is kind of in the same conversation, I think, and. We're finally seeing it here in the playoffs, which is great. And I don't know if it's because Brandon Clark is a guy who's occasionally dinged up, you know, has a tendency to kind of be on the injury report here and there, certainly did this year. I don't know if they've just been managing his minutes and now it's the playoffs and they're turning it loose. So I love the player. I love that they're playing him. I think my only concern is do we, and I guess I'll throw this back at you, do you think this is going to carry over to next year? Because sometimes these playoff things end up kind of just being the self-contained thing, right? Like what I was just talking about. And maybe they're not going to go into next year saying, oh, let's play Brandon Clark 29, 30 minutes a game. If they did, he'd be high priority for me in, in terms of drafting him. Yeah, so I think that's definitely going to be a concern. Uh, I just want to touch on what you mentioned, uh, him being a productive guy when he actually gets some minutes. So he's been in the league three seasons, um, year one, 25th in per 36 fantasy value, last year 54th, mm-hmm. and then this current season 77th. So he's been huge um, you know, in that per 36-minute range. And then just in limited mm-hmm. minutes, 80th, 109th, and 119th. So he's still been a you know, a 10th round guy or better every single year he's played. And that's with poor, um, you know, free throw shooting and limited minutes. Um, So, yeah, I think this is more of a, and obviously we know this can kind of fizzle out after a lightning in a bottle type of playoffs, but the league is, what have you done for me lately? Right. So, he has one year left on his current deal. And so does Steven Adams. Uh, Obviously Adams is getting paid 18 million and Clark is getting three or four, I think. But I think it would right. do Memphis well to see what they have with him and give him a few more minutes this season. Um, so I can see a realistic scenario where he comes out and plays some more minutes off the bench and really carves out a much more significant fantasy role next season. Yeah, and I mean, just to put some of those per 36-minute numbers, uh, just to sense for people, this season his per 36 was 19.2 points per game, 9.9 rebounds, 2.5 assists, 1.1 steals, 2.0 blocks. And I think to your point, Clark is a guy who – you probably can draft regardless, even if he's you know only going to have a twenty-four minute per game role because he's that good, on a, you know especially in a deeper league. Regardless, so I think he's a guy that I'll be targeting, and I think I don't know Zach. I don't have a sense of how much this is going to carry over in terms of his ADP. I don't feel like this has been such a noisy playoff run that people are going to be you know he's going to be flying up draft boards necessarily next year. Yeah. I think maybe for guys like you and I who are, you know, doing podcasts about this and and staying up on, you know, researching what's going on. I think, you know, maybe we'll see his ADP rise a little bit, but yeah, I think in general, uh, no, it's not been a noisy playoffs for him. He's, he's been excellent and, you know, way better than we expected, but you're right. The hype is on John Morant. The hype is on, you know, right. eight three-pointers exactly. for Triple J. You know, the hype is on all these other and guys. Yeah. So, yeah, I think uh, you can get him at a discount next year. And uh, we might see like a, a Bobby P type of, of value out of him next season. I like it. Well, Zach, thanks for coming by as usual. And uh, I shall be hearing from you soon. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, brother. Take care. All right. See you, man. All right. Last man standing, Brad Stonebreaker. Brad, I think... You've got more Memphis, a little more Memphis talk for us here. Am I correct? I do, yeah. It might be recency bias because they, they're one of the last eight teams there. And uh, Yeah. No, it's good. It's a fascinating team. 
Yeah, they're they're so fun. Uh, I have to be nice here just in case Jonas is listening because this is his guy, um, Jaron Jackson Jr. Yeah, he's he he's probably both one of the most exciting guys in the league, but also one of the most frustrating guys in the league. I mean, in real, both real life and fantasy purposes, his skill set is just so good and so unique with that triples and blocks combo. Yeah. Um, but he he can't stop fouling. I mean, he he committed the third most fouls in the league in the regular season behind only cat and Jay Sean Tate. He averaged 5.2 of them per game in the first round. And then I know fouled out again last night in 29 minutes, but go back to game one. He only had three fouls and he went off. He had 30, 33, 10 and six threes in his 31 minutes. So, and, and they're just bad fouls. I mean, they're, they're loose ball fouls. They're fouls on three point shooters. They're just very avoidable Mm. things. I don't know. He, he's so good on a permanent basis, and if he's actually in the game. But do you think this is something that is just going to carry over? Is it something you'll consider um, for fantasy if you draft him? Like, what do you what do you think? You know, first of all, I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, in that game, uh, Jim Jackson, who's the analyst broadcasting the game, I believe in 30 seconds in, pointed out that Jaron Jackson Jr. had not picked up a foul yet. <laughs> 30. I'd have to go back and rewatch the broadcast, but I'm, uh, I'm almost positive I heard him say that, and I cracked up because it's like, yeah, you know, I I, w- I used him in DFS, you know, recently, and I was like, three minutes in, no fouls, this is huge, you know, and know. it's just so it's so weird and frustrating. I, I don't remember his personal fouls per game during the regular season. Obviously, it wasn't close to five, Brad, but I think it's just kind of the bigger theme is it's such a tantalizing fantasy skill set, like you said. I mean, in the playoffs. 14 half points, seven and a half rebounds, 2.33 pointers, 2.4 blocks. I mean, how many guys in the league are there who can average two threes and two blocks? None. I mean, yeah. that, you know, I mean, maybe I guess Anthony Davis and or something like that. And like, but he's not a two threes per game guy. So my point is, there's so much to like, but at the same time, he's a low field goal percentage guy. I know. He's shooting yeah. below 40% in the playoffs, which is really weird for a guy his size. He does shoot a lot of jumpers and kind of weird post moves and things like that. But and the fouls. So, I don't know. He's still so young. He could go through the roof in fantasy at any moment. And we were talking about that the other day on the podcast. So, I guess I don't really worry about the fouls as far as next year goes mm-hmm. because he was perfectly fine in fantasy this year. And yeah. even in the playoffs with all the foul trouble, like if you draft him in fantasy and you're getting his playoff numbers, no one is complaining about the numbers I just cited. Not at all. No. Do you think in any way the fouls he commits does disrupt his play when he has those kind of so-so games, like regular season or playoffs, I guess? Do you think that's a factor at all? Yeah. I mean, it sure seemed like it, right? Like last night, for example, when he had only 12 points and seven rebounds and fouled out, shot three for 14, by the way. Yeah. I mean, the two previous, the two, well, the previous game where he really went off, 33 points, 10 rebounds, he only had three fouls. And that's, I'll update you on his fouls in the playoffs per game. Five, four, five, six, six, five, three, six. The three game was his best game of the playoffs. So no coincidence there. And his, on, his only 20 plus point game of the playoffs. Yeah. Just way too many fives and sixes in there. Way, yeah. Way, yeah. Way, way, way too many. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, anyways, that's Jaron Jackson. I mean, Jaron Jackson Jr., the good news, and I can't even remember if I said this today or only said this the other day, but. What are you gonna? Where are you taking him? Is he? Let's say he falls to the third round in a league that Jonas isn't playing in. <laughs> yeah, if Jonas is, is that, there, I won't get him. Is that realistic? Is third round in a non-Jonas league realistic? 
I, I, I think it is. I think you might have to take him there. I think in few leagues, yeah. fall to the fourth, but I, I, I don't think it, it'll be common for that to happen. Also, a big yeah. plus here. His first three years, he fit, he didn't play more than sixty games in any season, and he yeah. played 70, 78 this season. Yeah. So wow. that's that, that's huge. If he he was finally finally healthy, and we got to see his full full arsenal yeah. despite the fouls and poor shooting. But yeah, I, I yeah. third round, I'm I'm sold. Well, especially because you're getting the floor. We know we know he's got a high floor because of the blocks and threes, and we we also know there's some potentially undiscovered ceiling here. So it's a nice. There's some safety there, I think, based on what we saw last year, and there's just crazy ceiling, more yes, importantly. Absolutely. So we almost used up our whole five minutes on Jaron Jackson Jr. That's how interesting he is. But you're the last guy, so we can go another minute long here. So let's talk about the second player on your list, Tyler Hero. Yeah, um, Mr. Sixth Man of the Year, officially, as of yesterday. And yep. he followed up the news with by leading the team in scoring in the Game 1 win on... Mon- it was Monday. Monday, yes. Uh, 25 efficient yes. points, seven assists, and four three-pointers in 29 minutes. I mean, th- this type of scoring, it's it's not even news anymore. I, I on, yeah. on points bet, I think I looked like more than two months ago, he was at minus 10,000 to win the award or something just absurd like that. <laughs> like, crazy. Just no, no one else was walking away from it. The MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, all those could have been uh, discussed. It could have gone various mm-hmm. ways. But this one, Hero d- deserves it f- fully. Now, always a fantasy slant here, Matt. Um, seventh round guy on the season on a per game basis beat his ADP by almost three rounds. Mm-hmm. But how much higher can Hero get when he's not giving you many defensive stats and those aren't part of his game? How much higher do you think he can go? I know, and I, I can be unnecessarily obsessed with defensive stats but 0.7 steals is a number that i think any of us can give any of us pause you know yeah and i mean the good news is how much higher can he get well his points went up a lot this year his assists went up this year i think from like 3.4 to 4 his three pointers went up his three-point shooting went up he shot almost 40 percent on threes so there probably is a little bit more of a ceiling offensively for this guy and at some point he's going to be like kind of the light version of Zach Levine in terms of numbers where the scoring and assists and threes are so good that you're okay with bad steals numbers. Yeah. And he's not, he's so, so that's kind of the path I think for me where I would draft him anyways, even with bad steals. I don't think we have much reason to think he's suddenly going to become a steals guy though. Yeah. I don't either. And honestly, the, the rebounding and assist numbers were better than I thought they would be when I look back. I think it was five boards, four assists on the season. Like I will take that every day of the week for a guy coming off the bench and scoring twenty points with good three point shooting. The the only complaint really is what we've been talking about is the defensive numbers. But I agree. I don't think he's just gonna all of a sudden get one point two steals a game. But if he somehow yeah. gets even even point nine to one, I, I I could maybe take him a little earlier than a little earlier than seven, but probably not too much. It's crazy how much more I'd like him in fantasy if he was a 1.2 steals per game guy. Oh, I know. I would, I would be all over it. All over it. <laughs> yeah. Also, he he truly never gets blocks. He was a 0.1 blocks per game guy. So that's part of the equation too. There's a stretch in the beginning of the season. I, I was like keeping track of it personally. Just He went like, God, I, I don't know the number off the top of my head. He went so many games was just without a block. And I was just waiting when I was writing doses or blurby. I was like, all right, is, is he going to block a shot yeah. today? And, he finally did, but it took like more than like a quarter of the Which season. Is, I was like, my gosh, but it's just it's interesting. Crazy because he's an absolute pogo stick too. I mean, the guy, a couple dribbles the baseline and just jumps over people and, and just buries jumpers. So I don't know. 
I like him yeah. though. He's he's yeah. and I, I like him in fantasy too. He's one of the exceptions for me where I would draft him despite that wretched steals number. Hundred percent, definitely. All right. Yeah. Well, that is going to do it for us on this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a minute to rate and review us as well. We will be back here on Friday with the latest from the playoffs, some more season-long takeaways. I want to say thanks to everyone for listening and watching live. And thank you to all of our writers for joining today. Steve, Jonas, Zach, and to you, Brad. Thanks for sticking around. I'll talk to you soon. Have a good one. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben & Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.